Welcome, Remnant Warriors. This is Pastor Todd Coconato. It is Tuesday, 7-13-2021. Welcome to the broadcast. And we have a special broadcast today where I'm going to play two interviews. Now, one is from myself in NRB when I sat down with an exclusive interview with John Cox. John is running, once again, for the governorship of the great state of California. And California is in desperate need of change, as you guys all know. Those that live there know even better. Uh, sometimes I feel like it's a communist state because of some of the things that they uh, have, you know, force upon their citizenry in California. Of course, high taxes, uh, many, many restrictions when it comes to gun laws and gun rights, uh, and just so many other things, religious liberty and freedom issues, and just common sense policy, uh, fiscal responsibility. It really is one of the worst run states in the country, even though it's the fifth largest economy in the world. And I happen to love California, a beautiful state, and I saw in the 30 years that I lived there a massive decline from the Reagan era where Reagan was actually governor at one point of California all the way to today where Gavin Newsom has really uh, just caused so many issues in his horrible policies and caused companies and businesses and people to leave the state because they just don't want to deal with all the taxes and all the, the issues that California has. Homelessness, I mean, I could just go on and on. But people are praying and we're believing that God is going to do something in California, that there's going to be a shift and a change in leadership. And many people have fought for this recall election, which is now in play. And there are several candidates that have risen to the top uh, from the Christian community. Uh, I'm hearing a number one is Larry Elder. And so we're going to be playing an interview with Pastor Jack Hibbs and Larry Elder on the second half of the program, just so you can hear a little bit about what Larry is talking about. Also, we're going to play John Cox and I first uh, at NRB, an exclusive interview with John Cox, who has raised a good amount of money and is a top-tier candidate, but we don't know if he can actually win because he's already lost before, and it doesn't seem like he has a lot of momentum, and he doesn't have a lot of people behind him, according to recent polls. So uh, Larry Elder is the favored person. That's why we've gotten behind Larry but John Cox is running, and some of my friends that are very respected people of God are behind John Cox, thinks that he's the best candidate. And then there's a guy uh, by the name of my, uh, Kevin Kiley. And Kevin Kiley is a patriot, and we'll also have Kevin on the show so that you can hear from all three candidates and see which one you think is the best for the governorship of the great state of California. So without further ado, I'm going to play the interview with John Cox running for my home state, governor of California. Mr. Cox, welcome to the show, sir. Great to be with you, Todd. I didn't know you were a native of California. Oh, yeah. So 17 years I pastored in the San Fernando Valley. So isn't that wild? Wonderful. So, oh, great. So well, we, then you're a, you're a refugee. I'm uh, a refugee. There's a lot of those around now. <laughs> That's right. And and we want you to hopefully change that. change that. I want to get people to stay there. And uh, yes. i got, got to make the state affordable for people. That's the important thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, this it seems like a monumental task. But, you know, yeah. you, you've been praying about this and, and, and you know. Absolutely. You've ran yeah. before. What's going on in the current situation? So you're running for governor, and this is the recall election, right? Well, I ran in 2018. Right. Uh, nobody was going to step up, and I didn't want 
to see two Democrats in, in competing. So yeah. I stepped up and I surprised the world. I was on the cover of the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times in the same day. Yeah, well, that's pretty good. Uh, that's pretty good. Uh, weren't, like, it wasn't a hit piece? It was no, a <laughs> no. It was just, you know, the, the shock the country uh, yeah. that I made it to, you know, the top two. Right. And, uh, but, you know, listen, I, I did that, Todd, because I knew how bad Gavin Newsom was going to be, and he proved me right, unfortunately. Right. And yeah. so now there's a recall, uh, yeah. which I didn't predict then, but I guess I could have predicted it. I mean, the pandemic obviously came out of the blue. Uh, yeah. Thank you, China. You know, well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But but this recall this recall is the result of not just the pandemic shutdowns, though, Todd. It, it's all all the other problems that I talked about in 2018, and he made worse. Uh, the housing costs have continued to go up. Homelessness is just off the charts. Bad. Uh, electrical blackouts we now have because we don't generate enough electricity yeah and think about that this is the state where they're saying that everything's going to be electric cars right. pretty soon right and we don't generate enough enough electricity now to even power the air conditioning when it gets hot out um we're having a water shortage which is all government caused yeah uh crime has gone up tremendously our taxes are the highest in the country although our poverty rate is also the highest right and uh, the business climate is so bad that businesses and people are moving out. We lost a congressional seat. We lost population for the first time. I think the voters are getting it, I think. I hope so. And many people have worked very hard for this recall, too. I mean, I remember yes. you know, many, many people reach out to me with the signatures and everything. And so this is a, you know, a grassroots effort. And, it, uh, it was. And now they have yeah. you know, these millions and millions of signatures, and they even got verified. And I know Gavin Newsom yep. tried to challenge that. Yep. And uh, and even you know overcame that and had more than they even needed. And so here we are. And uh, this is a you mentioned a lot of issues in California. I mean, oh. You know, other than maybe New York, I can't think of another state that has so many problems right now. And we need real solutions, you know. So well, yeah, and, and New York doesn't have an electricity or water shortage that I know about. That's uh, right. We have that, uh, and we have forest fires that New York doesn't have. Yeah. And, and all Mr. Newsom does is just throw up his hands, blame it on climate change, but doesn't do anything about it. You know, we're building a train in the Central Valley that's right. soaking up billions of dollars. We should be buying airplanes that dump fire yes. retardant yes, and, and suppression. Planes, yeah, right, right. I mean, but we're not doing that. Uh, and of course, we're hiring more firefighters, but the cost of doing that is so huge, yeah. both in the risk of our lives as well as the cost of doing it. That's the trouble, uh, Todd, in California. You know, we've got so many things that are being done for political reasons. Right. I'm a business guy. Right. Uh, I'm not a politician. Tell us a little bit about your background, sir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I grew up without a father in, in Chicago. Uh, I had to work my way through school. I, I got a, a CPA by the time I was 20 years old. Okay. And uh, I started my own business when I was 25. Right. And I built it over 40 years. I'm now 65. Okay. And I built it by day in, day out, holding people accountable, solving problems. Right leading an organization right. and that's what you do when you're in business you yeah. know you don't have the luxury of passing it to the next generation or, right. or or going to the federal government for help i mean yeah. i have to solve problems and right. and if you look around the country you know we're in a state right now that is headed by you know yeah. a former businessman that's uh, right and it's doing well it's doing well we're in texas um, by the way yeah, yeah. we're in texas but uh, you've got bill lee in tennessee you've yes. got pete ricketts in nebraska you've got doug Burgum in north dakota you've got doug ducey in arizona yeah. 
you've got Charlie Baker in Massachusetts. You got Larry Hogan in Maryland. I mean, Christy Nome, you got uh, Christy Nome. You know, there's there's DeSantis. so many. Yeah. yeah, there's so many governors that were former business guys. And the reason is, is because we focus on getting the job done. Right. We focus on results. We're yeah. not there to be political in nature. We're right. there to actually cut through that. The other part of it is that is that my faith is, okay. is a major element Please of my life. Please tell us about that, because that's yeah. important to me and our listeners, too. Well, you know, yeah. Ronald Reagan brought me to the Republican Party. Okay. And, and I'm going to talk about this tonight, because okay. Ronald Reagan was informed by his faith. His, right. his mother, Nellie, made sure that he w was a, a very faithful person. And, and right. he was introduced at church, as a matter of fact, to the evils of communism and socialism. Yes. And it's a battle that he fought his whole life. And Reagan brought me to the Republican okay. Party on that level. So his his message was something that brought you into the Republican. Before that, you were Democrat. Or? I was. I wow. grew up a Democrat. My mom yeah. was a Democrat, so right. you know. which was a different party back then too, though. I mean, the days really you know, Kennedy Democrats are not the same as today's far left. You know, absolutely true. And and John F. Kennedy, remember his speech at the uh, inauguration, in 1961, was. Ask not what your country right. can do for you, but what you, you can, can do, do for your country. country. Yep. Yep. That's very different than the Democratic Party of today. Yeah, more like give me you know, money and uh, Redis I don't, don't redistribute wealth yeah. and take care of me from cradle to grave and I don't want to work. And, you know, I mean, I, I think a lot of people want to work, but they, right. they, they want government, to, you know, or at least the politicians want government to basically feed and, and clothe and take care of you all the way through. And, yeah. you know, I, I think the people that started the United States, the founders of our country, right. recognized, first of all, that religion and faith is primary. Key. Exactly. It's key. I so, mean, the, so it's not a separation of church and state? Or how no, would you define no, that? No, no, it's, it's not. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's freedom of religion. Yes. It's all religions. So the founders specifically didn't want a state religion. Right. Like Henry VIII. Right, like, right, like the Episcopal right. Church in, in England. Sure. But they wanted freedom of religion. Yes. And they wanted to be able to practice their faith uh, yeah. and, and, and love God and, and have the free will to do that. That's really big to me. I mean, I'm actually president of an organization called the Religious Liberty Coalition. And that's oh, good. our main focus is, you know, to fight for religious liberty and freedom in California. Right been like one of the places where we've been getting the most phone calls sir I oh mean, you know, I pastors you know telling us they're being fined for being open yes. uh, i know you know my friend rob mccoy you absolutely know, he, you know, he's oh, a patriot that's you know i was at his church in april yeah so i was i was there with him what, what do you church. think about what's been going on with the uh the way that they've been coming after the churches for being open and some of these right. pastors that you know john MacArthur lost his parking lot uh, right that was from the city for a long time I right mean, you know, i have so many uh Cheon had a big battle that went all the way to supreme court right you know right. What, if you're governor, what will you do to defend this? Well, you know, my faith is very important to me, and, and uh, the freedom uh, of religion is the foundational aspect of this country, yes. God. I mean, there's yes. just no doubt about it, yeah. and we have to defend it. And yeah. I think the people of California, and frankly, the whole nation, learned something in this pandemic. Oh, yeah. when, when the chips were down, right. when public health was at stake, guess what these politicians did? They clamped down on religion. Yeah. But the, they the were other fine. places were open, but the churches were closed, you know? Yeah. In California, strip clubs exactly. were open. That's uh, insane. Cannabis shops were allowed to stay open because marijuana sales were somehow essential. Right. But but singing at church was forbidden. Being even available uh, at church, to, to go to church was not available. And so this is what's got to change. And I hope and I pray, I really earnestly pray yeah. that the people of California understand what happened in this pandemic yeah 
and, and, and have that expressed at the ballot box. This recall, I really believe this recall is going to be successful. I do, too. I think people have woken up. Okay. I think they've seen what government has done. Right. They've seen their churches shut down. They've seen their small businesses shut right. down. They've seen their schools shut down. That told them that it's all about politics right. and political power. Big deal. Yes. And that's a fight we have to have. That's right. We can't sit it out. You know, pastors, churches that don't want to talk about these things, but then, hey, we got shut down. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I know some friends that were pastors and they lost their church because, you know, it's just the circumstances of the situation. And I can imagine it. You know, so some some are okay. Others have really had a hard time financially. Same with small businesses. Uh, totally. You know, a lot of these small businesses, they didn't have that extra money to be able to sustain. And yes, no. you know, some got a little bit of help from the government, but even that didn't help. You no. Know? So, no. I mean, if the government to give you a check, uh, when your business is destroyed, right. it, it, that's no answer. I mean, 19,000 businesses in California literally are not going to reopen again. Wow. I, I can't imagine. That's a lot. Yeah. I'm a small business guy. I mean, I've got about 95 employees, and I just can't imagine what my business would be like if, if it, the yeah, government shut. Had shut it down. It would be just so sad. And, you know, listen, it's also about family. Right. You know, the cost of living in California is so high that you've got two earners in every family you have yeah, to you have to and even then you're struggling in a lot of you're cases. struggling yeah. and and some of those earners are earning two incomes that's right they have to work two yeah, jobs that's right how much time is there for a family and to minister Not to your lot. children and yeah. and teach your children and and you know listen if you if you're very wealthy you're doing fine if you're gavin newsom right you know, you send your kid to a private school, yeah. you got nannies, Different you got set all of kinds rules, of, it seems. Yeah. yeah, you've got all, and of course, you know, he famously went out to that it's French laundry about, dinner. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Was it Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done or something too? And, exactly, know, exactly. Eating ice cream, right? Well, um, I really feel that that's hitting home to the voters. That yeah. The hypocrisy of some of these leaders, uh, right. as well as their mismanagement. Yeah. And, and, and that's just sad. Uh, but uh, this recall gives us an opportunity to, to make those changes. And I'm the leading candidate in the recall because yeah. uh, I ran in 2018. Right, right. And um, I'm, I'm taking the fight to Mr. Newsom. I'm wow. taking the fight. It's, and, it's a, and frankly, it's a fight that the country needs to have, too. Uh, yeah. We've got this creeping socialism. Oh, my goodness. More and more benefits. Right. And, uh, and then we have also now the the differences based on race. Yes. You know, and you know it, it's sad that there's any racism. Can we get in a little bit with the the critical race theory? A lot of parents yeah. are concerned about this in the schools, and you know I've done some research on it. To me, it's more divisive. It's it's I mean it's really racism as far as I'm concerned. What do you think about that, Mr. Well, you don't cure racism with <laughs> exactly. more racism. You, you. you cure racism with enlightenment, right? With shine a light on it, with transparency, with telling people that we're not going to put up with racism, yeah, uh, and we're going to do everything we can to, uh, you know, to condemn it and to fight it, right? But going to the other extreme and being racist in response is right. not the right answer. What we ought to do yeah. is what Martin Luther King right. preached: uh, right. we should judge people by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin yes and, yes and but we need to give everybody the tools to succeed which means yes. our schools need to be better right uh our opportunities need to be better do you know how hard it is to even think about opening a business in california oh my goodness you gotta jump through like 50 loop you know <laughs> hoops oh. to get through yeah. and, and, and big businesses don't care right because they just hire more lawyers and accountants right but, but getting yourself started in a small business in california it's very difficult 
Well, yeah. it takes a special license just to shampoo somebody's hair. <laughs> no, Think I, about that. I know this because I pastored there, and I'll tell you, we had to be yeah. all these different things, and then I'm in Tennessee now, and it's like night and day. Oh, is what? it really? It oh, really yeah, is. I bet it is. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it's you know, you just go in and you get your license, and in California, I mean, we were paying twenty thousand here, you know, all kinds of crazy right. things that we had. To, and right. they, they actually said there was a limit of how many churches could be in LA County, so we really? had to, we had to get the CUP conditional uses permit, and we had to get all these different permits, and you know, uh, use a building that was already occupied by a church in the oh, past. Oh my God, really? These are the types of things and i thought but you know i heard now if you were a cannabis store it was different or if you were a strip club really? it was different wow. you know I, I didn't know i didn't do that so i don't know for sure but that's what people were telling me is that for to be a church in la county was much much more difficult so these are the things that i witnessed out there what happened to the free market right what happened to the free will i mean right. this is what happens when you've got a government that you know they don't call themselves socialist right. or communist yeah but really their tendencies are there you know them by their fruit right exactly <laughs> well by what they do exactly i mean you know judge people by their actions and if they're telling you you can only have so many churches or you can have only so many that's right nail salons or so many you know places to shampoo hair that's what's going to be the case. So, so what is a John Cox governor? What does that look like? How do you abolish some of these things? How do you, you know, because it's a big uphill battle, but what, what is your first line of business when well, you get in there? Clearly, the, the most important thing is to change the legislature. Okay. Um, but, but the day one, I propose housing reforms. Housing is the number one issue. Uh, people in California pay way too much for right. housing. Uh, it's way too expensive to build there. Yeah. That's my business. I'm in the okay. apartment uh, building and managing business. Oh, and wow. So, okay. So I know how to cut the cost of building. Okay. Um, and then homelessness is another yeah. big issue. So uh, I get in right away addressing reforms that are going to fix those issues along with education, giving the power to parents. Right. Uh, along with water uh, and electricity and diversifying sources. Can I stop you on the water for a second? Because yeah. I, I was so interested to see. So they, California collects enough water that they would be okay, but the problem right. is they don't hold it. They, no. there's some, it goes right to the ocean. How, why is that? And well, it's, the environmental lobbyists uh, obviously have a big sway in Sacramento, and okay. they make their presence felt. And, of course, a lot of the reservoirs are also used for urban use. Uh, and, okay. you know, obviously people want drinking water. They want water to wash their clothes. And, and take showers, but California has not done the things that's, that are needed, like yeah. recycling water right. enough or, right. or desalination. I was just saying, like Israel, where they have those desalinization plants, I and mean, yeah. we could put a couple of those in California. So would that be something oh, that you oh, would consider? Oh, absolutely. Day oh one. Oh, <laughs> day one. Yeah. And, and that'll take the pressure off the reservoir so that when we get those years where there's not as much rain or right. not much snow, right. you've got enough for agriculture. You know, People don't understand how important agriculture is, not just to the economy of California, but yeah. to, you know, to people across the country. Yeah. Um, you know, we are the fruit and nuts right. uh, and let, uh, salad basket. <laughs> I'm uh, laughing because uh, they call it the land of fruit and nuts sometimes. Well, they do. I know. I know. <laughs> but, but, but we have all the salad fixings in California. That's true. Artichokes yeah. and lettuce and all these things. The that, Central Valley, which is like, you know, oh, essential to. Right, right. It's huge. And, and a lot of those farmers are, are coming online doing live streams. They're showing like we can't even, you know, because of the water situation, they can't right. even use their full farms. And they're just devastated. Their business is ah. devastated. This is awful. This is a tragedy. We've got to change it. It is. And, and it's government cost, Todd. I think that's the thing to take away from this. Yeah. And, and that is government has failed to invest in the things that would protect the, right. the water uh, sort of, you know, the water availability. Right. Uh, with, again, more reservoirs, with desalination and all these other things. 
And again, it also relates to energy. Uh, we decommissioned natural gas. Mm. Natural gas burns a lot cleaner than coal. That's right. So, but we've decommissioned natural gas because it's a fossil fuel. Yeah. But it's essential. I, we don't have enough electricity when uh, the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining. Right. We're in. We're in trouble. I mean, it seems like a lot of complicated issues, but you are a businessman with business acumen. That's what we need. I mean, we just saw with Donald Trump, you know, he came in and yep. he had a different type of strategy and a lot of a lot of solutions that other politicians weren't able to do. So, you know, well, we, we need common sense. We need common sense. And, and it's yeah. right, not even partisan. It's just about, no. you know, common sense solutions that are going to bring real change. And I think that's what, you know, Californians, I know, I mean, I have my ear to the ground there and people yeah. are just, like you said, they're ready for change. So how do we win this? One of my concerns is, you know, yeah. A lot of people say there's a big problem with election integrity in California. How do we overcome something like that? Yeah, you know, I'm not as I'm not as sure of that. First of all, I believe in in-person elections. I believe in voter ID. Yeah. I believe in okay honest elections. I come from Chicago, right? So yeah. believe me, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, know, it's got That's a worldwide reputation yeah, for exactly. having you know lousy elections, right? But in in November 2020, uh, the voters rose up and killed a major tax increase okay. they, they killed uh, an initiative that was going to have affirmative action okay uh they killed restrictions on uber and lyft yeah you know? that's true that's true so so i think the elections were honest in california okay. in november okay. um that doesn't mean i'm you know sanguine about this i mean right. i'm going to still be diligent as the governor making sure that we watch elections, and I want to have them in person. I want to have voter right. ID. Yeah, I mean but, that would change it right there. If we have them in person, have voter ID. That's it. I mean, well, know, I think yeah. that's a big plus. Yeah. Listen, South Korea, in the height of the pandemic in April of 2020, conducted an election in the national elections. Right. I remember that. All in person. Okay. And you know, if you look at Europe, right, just about every country. I think it's every country now in Europe allows voter ID or requires right. voter I mean, ID. Yeah, you, you buy a pack of cigarettes, you need voter ID. You get alcohol, you need voter ID. Right. Why, why can't you for the election? It's the most important thing in our country, right? Well, I mean, yeah. and, and, and Europe all has voter ID. And right. frankly, Europe also doesn't have absentee voting as much. I mean, right. you have to have a real reason to, you know, in the military or in hospitals or something like that. Right. So these are common sense. And again, Todd, it's about giving people confidence. Yes. You know, the purpose purpose of the political system is not just to operate it for some narrow groups. Right. It's to make sure that the vast, vast majority of the people right. have confidence. trust and sure. confidence. It's very important. Yeah. Which is another reason why I emphasize integrity. Yeah. Gavin Newsom, by going out to the French laundry, you know, violated his own rules. Right. That was a lack of integrity. Right. That's right. But He's given no-bid contracts to donors. He's uh, gotten companies that need his help to donate to his charity and to his wife's charity. Right. I believe that's a form of corruption as well. Yeah, a lot of that going on. Integrity is everything to me. You right. Because a leader is not going to be a leader unless people believe them. Right, right. They have to have – you as a pastor, Yeah. you cannot – tend to your flock right unless they believe that you're advocating something because it's the right 100%, thing to do 100 percent. if they think yes. that you're compromised you're done by somebody you're done yeah that's it and and i think our politicians don't respect that and, i agree with and you I, and i will tell you when i get to be governor of the state of california yeah. we're opening the books yeah. everywhere good I believe in radical transparency. That would be big in California. Oh, wow. yeah. And I believe in auditing. Okay. I'm a CPA. Right. 
I did audits when I was do it. in public yeah. accounting. Yeah. Auditing, you need to do it to need you need to keep people honest. Right. You need to hold them accountable. I agree. You need agree. to have them on their toes. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the trouble with, in my business, I'm kept on my toes by my comp competition. Right, right. If I don't do a good job, my com competition will eat my lunch. They'll, yeah. they'll take my business away. And that's the right? way it should be is a free flow, you know, of ideas, right. market, you know, uh, competition, like you said, you know, you, you rising to the top because you're the best, right? right? And you're doing right. things right. And that's what California has so much potential. I, I mean, the, the I what is it like the third largest economy in the world? Is fifth. it still fifth? Okay. Fifth largest. Uh, it's just past Great Britain. But I was going to say, Todd, that, you know, you need to hold people accountable. But see, government, if you don't like what the government's doing, you can't go to a competitor. Right. Right. So what you've got to do then is you've got to have transparency and accountability and auditing. Okay. And that's what I'm talking about yeah. because there's no com competitor to keep them honest. Right. And, and, and that's something I'm, I'm going to be talking about when I'm governor and I'm going to be emphasizing. And I trust that the people of California are ready for that kind of radical transparency. I sure and, hope so. They, and integrity. Yes. I mean, why wouldn't they be? I mean, you know, what's, well, the, what's the other option? You know, you have uh, more of the same, which, like, as you mentioned, I mean, just so many complex problems and issues. And so, yeah. you know, when we went to California, uh, you know, and I want to be sensitive of your time. I know we have a few more minutes. But, yeah. you know, when we went to California, Reagan was governor. Right, and right. It was, I'm going to talk about Reagan tonight. Yeah, it was yeah. such an amazing place to live at that time. I, I know, mean, you know, I it know. was like a different place. It was like, you know, some of these other states where people are flocking to now. But even right. better, I think, because the weather was good. It was beautiful. I know. And it breaks my heart to go to Hollywood and different places and you see these camps of people and all know. These, you know and so so, so many people love California but just you know they've kind of been like well I don't know if it's going to change you know so you really right. feel you know you get in there that you're going to be able to turn this around I really do I mean I think people of California have common sense uh, there's there's a few radicals yeah uh, that, that are not going to like some of the things I'm talking about they're the ones that are usually in power right now yeah but yeah. I think the vast majority of people in California have common sense have a have an idea of what they want in life they have families they want a better quality of life and and that's what I'm going to be talking about and and hopefully they'll They'll believe that that we can deliver it, and and we'll turn the state around. And I, I tell you, I'm, I'm like what I'm here, Mr. Cox. You're saying some good stuff here. <laughs> well, and, I believe uh, it. Yeah, I, I can I'm see not that. doing this to get a job. I don't need the job. Right. I've done so well in business. Uh, I want to give back. I want to make sure that California is there for the future. I am absolutely blown away and excited because for years I've listened to this man's voice and so have you. Larry Elder is the sage from South Central. He is a man that can speak into our culture uh, quite effectively, maybe perhaps more than most today. Larry Elder has gained the respect of so many people here in Southern California and I would love to see Larry Elder uh, advance so much more. I, I, he's successful, he's been blessed and he blesses us daily on the Salem Radio Network across this nation. And he's gonna give us uh, a little bit of time and some wisdom. Larry, it's great to have you with us on this podcast. Thank you so much for having I'm me, so I appreciate grateful. it. I'll give you some time, Do I don't it. know about the wisdom part. We'll, oh, we'll, no, no, you we'll, will. We'll you, see. You never disappoint. <laughs> Larry, in, in the time that we have, imagine for a moment if, if the plane is going down, and it might be here in California, and as we've uh, heard so many times before, as California goes, so goes the nation. What would you like to see? If you could rub a Larry Elder 
a magic ball lamp, what would come out for this country, for this state? Wow. I would want people to reaffirm why this country is great. Mm. This country is great because of the fact that we as a people have decided that our values are bigger and stronger than can be given by man. Our values come from a higher power, they come from God. Now that may sound like boilerplate, uh, hackneyed mm -hmm. kind of uh, sloganism, but this was a country that was founded on the principle that people have inalienable, inalienable mm -hmm. rights that cannot be taken away fr from them by anybody, by any power. This is the first time there's ever been a government that was formed by the consent of the people. And the Constitution is a contract. It's not a living, breathing document the way the left says. Right. It's a contract. And it binds the federal government to a handful of limited responsibilities and duties, leaving the rest of them to the states and to the people. And for us to get away from that would mean the end of this country as we know it. Mm. And just because things have continued to go well, irrespective of who's in charge, irrespective of the values of the person uh, who's in charge, doesn't mean that will always be the case. Right. At some point, things go too far. And I'm very worried that things might have gone too far. I'm very concerned about our culture. I'm concerned about Hollywood. I'm concerned about academia. I'm concerned about our media. All three of them in my opinion, do not appreciate the fact mm -hmm. that the America was founded upon the values I just now mentioned. This is a Judeo-Christian country, and we're getting increasingly away from that. And once you get away from that, just as President Trump said, once you have no, no longer have boundaries, you don't have a country, you don't have these values, you don't have an America. That's right. I, um, I completely share in what you just said, and you mentioned God. Without God, um, I guess there's no other place to move to in the world, but I would be absolutely hopeless. The only reason why I have hope is because I'm praying that God might, might do something profound. He's done profound things before. I pray that he does profound things again. Um, when you look around at, at the culture, you've responded actually to the culture with a very successful film. Can, can you talk about that? I can, and thank you for bringing that up. I think it's important for us on our side uh, to not uh, uh, leave the battlefield. And the battlefield mm -hmm. is culture. Yes. A lot of people are getting their values from late night television. Something like 10 to 12 percent of young people get their primary news source from, from these guys on, on late night right. TV. And they're all anti-Trump, uh, anti the very, the very values I just now mentioned. So we're, we're in a war. Uh, and a lot of young people are uh, getting their values from Hollywood. And Hollywood is relentlessly left wing. Yeah. And so if we leave the battlefield, we don't make movies, we don't make entertainment, with our conservative messages in there, we're leaving it to the left wing. Yes. And so we need, to, we need to engage in that battlefield. And that's why I'm so pleased that my movie has resonated with so many young people. There's a website called IMDB uh, that uh, lists every movie that's ever been made, and they rate them from one to 10. Anybody that wants to uh, rate the movie can rate it. And the average movie gets a rating around six and a half. Uncle Tom is getting a 9.4 rating, oh which is just out of the ballpark. Uh, for example, its opening box office weekend doubled the opening box office weekend of Bowling for Columbine, Michael Moore's documentary, yes. which went on to become the fifth highest grossing documentary in history. This doubled its opening weekend box office revenue. And I believe that Bowling for Columbine got a 7.4 rating, something like that. This movie is blowing people away. And when I read some of the written reviews, and there are about 500 of them, Every now and then I come across one who's a, a self-confessed liberal and he or she will say something like, one of my friends dared me to see the, your, your, your documentary, so I watched it. And I thought it was going to be a bunch of black conservatives sitting around telling people what to think. Instead, it was a, a bunch of black conservatives telling people about their story and telling people that they are free to think. 
and you're free to think as an American without mm -hmm. being maligned as an Uncle Tom or a sellout or things I can't say on, on a family show. Yeah, and so that's the, the impact it's had. And I, one other thing, a psychotherapist called my show. Uh, she said, I'm white. I have a woman I've been counseling for two years. She is shattered spiritually, mm -hmm. shattered physically. Her husband threw acid on her face. She's disfigured. And for two years, she has not smiled. She has not sat up. And as she's telling me this story, um, she's crying. And she said, this may seem like a little thing to you, Larry, but wow. we decided to watch Uncle Tom together. And for the first time in two years, she sat up straight. She smiled. Larry, your movie is a pep talk to America in general oh. and a pep talk to black America in particular. And you're telling a story of, about America, that America has overcome its flaws towards a more perfect society. We have a positive story to tell. And as one of my characters in the uh, movie says, black America has come further ahead from further behind, arguably than any other people in all of America, in, in all of the world. And there is a historian uh, who's a liberal at Harvard, his name is uh, Orlando Patterson, and he's black. He's, uh, and he's been at Harvard since the 90s. And in the 90s, he said that America, despite its flaws, is the least racist majority white country uh, in the world, provides better opportunities for black people than any other country in, in anywhere else in the world, including all the countries of Africa. This is our story. And for crying out loud, this is a country that elected a black president and Twice. then reelected him. Uh, and Obama got elected with 52% of the vote. When he walked into office the third week of January, his popularity was at 67%. Yeah. Now, how does that happen? How does it grow 15%, which means a whole bunch of people who didn't vote for him right. still pulled, pulled for him. That's and right. the reason is because they were happy that Obama made a statement. And the statement that Obama made, a lot of people thought, was that America has overcome. Now, somebody, irrespective of that person's race, can come to, and, and become the most powerful person in the world. That person can become president of the United States. And that was the statement that we thought was made when Obama got elected. And that's why his approval rating went from 52% to 67% without him doing anything. Mm. What happened? Obama, fast forward, the Cambridge police acted stupidly. Mm -hmm. uh, Sharpton gets invited to the White House over 70 yeah. times. I, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon, whatever the hell that Right. Means. And in his speech before, Ferg before the United Nations, he said, we have our own problems. There's this place called Ferguson. Never mind, Michael Brown uh, didn't, have, didn't have his hands up, didn't say don't shoot. His right. whole friend lied about this. Right. So rather than do what people thought Obama was going to do, Obama did the opposite because the political Obama mm -hmm. knows that in order to get that 95% black vote, you got to get black people angry. You have to get them convinced that racism remains a major problem in Is America. Is that true? That's what he thinks. Okay, I was going to say, and please but, 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 but the man himself, think about it, Pastor. This is a guy with a name, Hussein, middle right. name, from Hawaii, right. first name uh, Barack, Barack, last name Obama, nobody could pronounce it. Right. He takes down Hillary. Yeah. And when I read about him deciding to run for president, he convened a meeting with all of his homies, Valerie Jarrett, David Clough, right. Axelrod, all of them. And the article in Time magazine that described this meeting said, race never came up. That's because he didn't think of himself that way. Like all people that run for president, he has a massive ego. He thinks of, thinks of himself as a world beater because he is. Yeah. But he knows in order to get that black vote, in order to get the typical black guy to pull the lever for somebody like me, I've got to convince that black guy he's a victim. It's because dumb. think about it. You remove the racial part of it. Why would I vote for a, for a Democrat? I live in the inner city. 
I live near a school called Crenshaw High School where I went to high school. Right now, 3% of kids at my former high school can do math at grade level. 3% mm. of kids. And the school, the Crip School, the reason I know that is because Ice-T, 10 years after I went there, chose Crenshaw because he wanted to go to a Crip School. Now, you're living within a geographical radius of that school. You are mandated to send your kid to that school who just graduated from middle school, whether you want to or not. And the Republican Party is giving me an option. The Democratic Party is right. not. Right. Why in the world would I pull the lever for that party? Second, immigration. Probably the economist has done more work on the impact of legal and illegal immigration than anybody else is an economist named George Borjas from Harvard. And he says there are winners and losers because of illegal immigration, obviously. The sure, winners are illegals themselves. Uh, the winners are also people that employ them, pay them less money than they would otherwise pay for somebody else. The big losers, he says, are unskilled black and brown workers living mm. in the inner city who yeah. have to compete for jobs that would otherwise be held by them and who have downward pressure on their wages. So for those two reasons alone, if it weren't for my assumption that the man is out to get me and that I am oppressed by, by racist cops, why would I pull the lever for you guys? Right. So therefore, they have to pull this con, and it's a con. The con is racism remains a major problem in America when, in fact, it has never been more insignificant a factor. Both think tanks on the left and the right have said this. In order to succeed, uh, in order to escape poverty, you must do three things. Finish high school, says yes. Brookings Institution, which is left wing, says AIE, American Enterprise Institution, which is right wing. Second, don't have a child until you get married. Right. Both say that. Third, get a job, keep a job, don't quit it right. until you get another job. You will not be poor. Say the left and the right. So what are we talking about here? They don't say, unless you're black, unless you're Asian, unless you're gay, right. unless you're Hispanic. Both sides say, follow that formula, it you works. will not be poor. Why aren't Democrats telling people that? Because they don't want to. They want black people to think of themselves as victims, and they want liberal whites who sympathize with that also to pull the lever for them as well. So they're doing it for liberal whites and also for black people. It's a con, and they know full well it's a con. Oh, Obama gives a speech man. at Howard University, Pastor, and he says, if you could be born anywhere at any time, where would it be? It would be right here and today. Same guy who then says, racism is in America's DNA. What was that guy a little <laughs> right. while ago at, at, at Howard? Right. It's a con. Yeah. He says one thing to young people because he wants to inspire them. Another thing to voters because he wants their vote. Yeah. It's a con. And I really do resent it because it's causing us not to have intelligent discussions yes. about the number one problem facing America in general and facing black America in particular. And that is the fact that 70% of black kids yeah. are raised without fathers. Forget about elder. Obama once said... A kid raised without a father is five times more likely to That's be poor and commit crime, yeah. nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. It is far and away the number one problem facing this country. And in 1965, 25% of black kids were born outside of wedlock. Now it's 70%. You cannot attribute that to slavery and to Jim Crow. That all happened because of the welfare state. What we've done, in my opinion, is we've incentivized women to marry the government. We've allowed True. men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. Exactly. Real quick, we have to wrap this up. The, the film, Uncle Tom, is it historic or is it prophetic? It's both. Wow. It's both. What do you hope it achieves? I hope that it lets America know that we have a proud story to tell. And I'm hoping that white people will feel a little less guilty. Uh, when we come up with a vaccine for coronavirus, I hope we come up with a vaccine for white guilt because I think it is almost as poisonous a power in this country. A lot of white people feeling so guilty that they enact stupid policies, one of which is affirmative action, race-based preferences, uh, allowing black and brown kids admitted to schools that they otherwise would not be admitted to because you've lowered their scores. What happens is they don't compete, they drop out disproportionately, they're mad at the world, and they now have debt. 
So you haven't done mm. anything. All you've done is made things worse. Another thing that happened uh, because of affirmative action was this last recession we had. It really was an affirmative action recession because through government policy, we pressured banks into, into changing lending standards. Yes. So anybody Disaster. who could fog up a mirror bought a house, including a lot of black and brown people who would have been better off renting. Recession comes, as recessions do. They lost everything. And from 2010 to 2013, black net worth fell 25%, a steepest decline probably in the history of black America. 25% decline in three years because many people lost their homes that they wouldn't have had but for stupid government policy that encouraged them to buy a home when they shouldn't have had one in the first place. You know what? I, I knew what you just said on the surface. I've never heard it articulated. I, I hope that message gets out more. That's profound. I, I call it an affirmative action recession. And when people talk wow. about reparations, we paid reparations, welfare statement of reparations, affirmative actions reparations, oh changing all these lending standards because of the Community Reinvestment Act. That's a form of reparations. Set-asides. We can go all, we can play this game all night. And, and, you, and, you, and you want more? And furthermore, reparations properly, in my opinion, is the extraction of money from people who are never slave owners yeah. to be given to people who are never slaves. Yeah. You don't owe me anything. You didn't do it. And I was never a slave. For me to act like I was one is insulting to those who really were. In the black community, with what you just said, is that received because they're, they are working, they are raising a family, they're normal versus a politically pimped rhetoric that would take that? What, wh how, how is what you just said received among the good old average American black community? For a lot of blacks, they have never heard this message before. They've never heard That's what's exactly. happened because of the welfare state. They've never heard what, what's happened because of the affirmative action. They've never heard how many jobs have been destroyed because you jacked up the minimum wage. They've never heard the argument about wow. illegal immigration taking it away. When they've heard it, and had to listen to it, a whole lot of people are rethinking their assumptions. And that's why young people like Kanye West, young people like Candace Owens, young people like the Officer Tatum, carrying the message to people in their 20s and 30s and 40s the way I can't. I'm so happy about that. You guys, Larry Elder, heard nationally syndicated program, Salem Broadcasting Network, and, and I'm sure beyond online. Larry, can you look in the camera and tell people how they can connect with you, give all of the addresses, what they need to know? Well, you can see my film, Uncle Tom, by going to UncleTom.com. I'm very active on social media. I'm active on Instagram. I'm active on Twitter, at Larry Yelder. I'm active on Facebook. I do, a, uh, I do two videos per week for Epic Times on YouTube. I also have another channel on YouTube called The Larry Elder Show Radio. So I am everywhere. You have no, you have no reason not to find me. Amen. Larry Elder, a national treasure. We love him. Thank Larry, you. Thank you for being with us. My pleasure. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.